This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Dr. Kelly Bonwell. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Kelly Bonniewell with Together. So glad you are joining us today. Uh, This episode you're going to listen to today was a real treat for me. Uh, I got to record with the author uh, Ted Lowe, and we talk about his most recent book. And uh, we just had a great conversation. For those interested, Ted is going to be coming to Ada Bible Church for a marriage night on October 6th. And uh, just after interviewing Ted, I think this is going to be a really amazing uh, opportunity for couples to to connect at this marriage event that we're doing. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So Ted, welcome to uh, Together Podcast. Dr. Kelly. Do I call you Dr. Kelly? Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. Uh, but, you know, Kelly's cool too. Um Ted, where are we, you right now? Uh, we live in Atlanta, Georgia, a suburb right outside of Atlanta called Cumming, Georgia. That's awesome. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit, like, who are you? Like, uh, I, I love just uh, reading your bio and you, you have just a lot of great experience. Share with our listeners, like, where did you come from? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I... Um, been doing marriage uh, enrichment for a, a really long time. Uh, that started uh, way back in 2001 when I got hired as the director of married life at our church. And we kind of laugh about that going, that didn't make any sense. We'd only been married six years at the time and we weren't even that great at it. So, uh, but we were enthusiastic. And so we started there, created a marriage event and some marriage uh, small group studies. And then in 2010, I started a ministry called marriedpeople.org where we created resources to help churches and just started with an organization called Family First, whose mission is to help families t- to love well. So marriage uh, and family have just, it's been what I've done for, for years with speaking and writing and books and all that fun stuff. So for what, some reason, marriage has been my thing, which if you rewound back to little Ted and said, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? This would have not been the thing that would have popped to mind. Uh, but I have enjoyed the ride. We have enjoyed the ride so much. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. Where do, Just on that note, where does that passion for marriage come from you? So for me, I'm really passionate about it uh, because I had uh, grandparents who were married for 55 years. Mm. And I was very, very close to my grandparents. And, um, in a way I kind of wanted to model my own marriage after theirs. So like, where does this inspiration come from you? You know, it was, it's funny. I was in ministry and I was in youth ministry and I thought that that was going to be my lifelong pursuit. I love working with students. And then I would take kids, you know, home, drop them off after a Bible study or something. And my line was always, give me your life story in a minute. We're at a large church. So a lot of the kids, I didn't know their stories. And so, and I finally, after about the 10th drive home, dropping a kid off, I came home to my wife and I said, just once I want a kid to say, I live with my mom, my dad, a sibling Mm. and a dog, because it was always 
not just a story of divorce, but it always seemed even dramatic. And I guess any divorce is dramatic, right? And so I thought, wow, if I really want to pour into students, I think one of the best things I can do is pour into mom and dad's marriage. And so it started actually with youth ministry and they got an opportunity to start pouring into marriages and and, uh, naively and uh, took it. But uh, at the same time, I'm really glad that, that we did. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you're you're married. So you're 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 experiencing this. So tell me a little bit about Nancy and like, how did you guys meet? How did you fall in love? Was that an easy thing? Was that up and down? What 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 happened there? Oh, we have a crazy story that we don't share with singles because we don't want them to follow in in our uh, footsteps here. But no, we both went to the same university. We knew of each other, but we never we never spoke. We were not walking with the Lord. She was in a sorority and I was in a fraternity. So when you think all the stereotypical things that go on in sororities and fraternities, that's exactly what was happening. And so um and then we started walking with the Lord afterwards and we ran into each other at a youth conference. And I remember thinking, what is she doing here? And she said, she remembers thinking, what is he doing here? Uh, but I did have a crush on her in college, but I thought, okay, maybe she's walking with the Lord now. And only by God's miracle, uh, could I start dating her? And so we, we started having a conversation at this conference and, um, the problem we went on a first date and we stepped to two or three o'clock in the morning, just talking about everything. And I'm literally driving home that night going, I think she could be the one, but here's the problem. In six weeks, I was about to move across the country because we both were living in Alabama at the time. And six weeks, I thought, I can't ask this girl to, you know, to be my girlfriend long distance like this. And so um, I thought, well, what are we going to do? So we kept dating these few weeks. And before I left, I said, hey, maybe she can move out. And, you know, she looks at me and she goes, I am not going to move out there and be your girlfriend. And I said, oh. why don't you move out there and be my wife? So after six weeks, we had decided to get married. We didn't tell our parents. We didn't tell anybody. And then we... Uh, we were so broke, but we're flying back and forth occasionally and, uh, you know, beg, barring and stealing places for her to stay when she would come. And so, uh, yeah, we started, it started off kind of crazy. Uh, she was 23 and I was 25, so we didn't know any better. Uh, but we are so glad that that those two crazy kids made that decision. Uh, one that our parents were going, what in the world are you guys doing? Uh, but yeah, we started, um, this all started in 1995 and we've been married and in ministry ever since we, we have four kids ranging in ages from 13 to 23. So you just never know what the day is going to bring. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. She's, uh, she's my best friend for sure. That's great. So uh, let's see if you beat me, because uh, I have that same story. I, I don't tell pre-marrieds my like engagement story. Uh, Julie and I met Memorial Day weekend. We were engaged by Labor Day weekend. We got our first dog in our house that I began working on in November, and then we were married in April. So how long? How long was that courtship before you uh, put the ring on it? We got married on our uh, one-year anniversary of our first date. So That's awesome. It was it was fast. Um, we say we dated our first year of marriage because we didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to a lot because we were so far apart. But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. What right? We kind of laughed at 
we're like, there would be moments when we first got married. We go, I don't, do we even know each other that well? You know, what's your middle name? You know, what's your favorite color? And so, uh, it was, uh, yeah, but I wouldn't take anything for those two crazy kids making that decision for sure. Yeah. And how long you've been married again? 28 years. It was 28 years, April 22nd. That's awesome. Yep. I I just celebrated my 29th in April. Look at that. So, Congratulations. Uh, so 1994? Yeah. Huh? You guys were married in 1994? Yep. We were married in 1994. Let me do a math. I, that's yeah. about only math April, I can do. April yeah. 9, 1994. Um, so, yeah. So, yep. Yeah, almost exactly a year later. What about what that? Was your, what's, your, what's your anniversary date? April 22nd, 1995. Oh, my goodness. you got to be kidding me. That's so that's funny. funny. So, uh, what was... um. What was uh, maybe a marking point? I, what I always tell people is we all have different marking points in our marriages. Uh, we all, every marriage is, um, can be a challenge sometimes. Uh, what was one of yours and Nancy's? Oh, I, you know, when you sent the questions earlier, I, I love that. And I've not heard anyone use that language, marking point. So is that defined as challenging time or a growth? Oh yeah. A, a challenging time. A growth opportunity. More, yes. A growth opportunity is uh yes. That's the positive spin. On it. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like we, I saw that. I thought, wow, after 28 years, there's, there's a lot can be said. I think one of the reasons we are so passionate about what we do um, is because we so did not know what we were doing those first five years of marriage. We just, we didn't, we didn't know. No one had taught us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are so thankful to the Lord that there were great couples around us that modeled a great way. But even uh, despite the fact that they did, there'd just be moments where we, uh, we look back now, we both say we acted like children. We acted, you know, mm-hmm. I'd get angry and I would be uh, demonstrative about about that and not in any physical way, but just, you know, growling around, you know, just acting like a toddler, uh, basically. And she would say, if she were here, she would get quiet and just shut down. And sometimes it could be a couple of days, you know, because she didn't know what she was feeling and didn't know what to do with it. Um, and so I think those times and then just having good people around us to say, to call us out on some things, you know, I'd have conversations with my boss who was a youth pastor and uh, he wouldn't commiserate with me. He would call, he would call my shot on it. Mm. And he would, I remember one time him saying, well, that doesn't sound very kind that you did that. Oh, and I wow. thought, Oh, wow. Like I, I was kind of used to guys kind of sitting around going, yeah, that, that was terrible. And so um, I think those, that first season kind of marked it for us. And I think for us, there was, I said, we had lots of moments of awesome, but we also had some moments of awful, but they felt random to us. We just felt like whatever the day was bringing. And so uh, one of the things we're passionate about is teaching some intentionality so it doesn't feel random and you can have less awful and more awesome. Um, and I, I've always felt like that that was easier than most people have been led to believe. I love that. I love that, Ted. So let's jump in. You've written this amazing book uh, that um, I just really enjoyed. Us, Us in Mind, How Changing Your Thoughts Can Change Your Marriage. Um, why did you write the book? Dr. Kelly, I did not want to write another book. I, I did not I'd already written two. And, um, 
the process for me is it's a lot of work and it's a it's a big challenge. And uh, I say I had ADHD before it was cool to have it. And so but during COVID, I had extra time on my hands and I started spending a lot of that time just researching some things that I'd always wondered after being in marriage ministry or helping couples for 20 plus years. I, I had some some mysteries I just couldn't solve. Like I, I couldn't figure out like, why is it some people can hear marriage advice and apply it? It changed their marriage and others hear the same information and don't. Um, I couldn't understand why sometimes people would say, I want to talk to you. Uh, we're struggling. Can we come and talk to you? And then they would sit there and just share everything and then uh, kind of compete with who's winning and making sure I'm hearing the story correctly. Uh, but never ask a question while other mm-hmm. question couples would come in leaning in going, Hey, here's our situation. You know, what can we, what can we do? Uh, but the thing that just puzzled me so much is so many people get a divorce without first seeking help. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. understand that. I mean, you can, people research everything, right? You go straight on and people, Hey, I'm not going to ask for help. And so that always puzzled me. So actually in the middle of the research, trying to find that out, some of the things I found were so profound to me and so simple to me. And some of them I had never heard, despite the fact that, I, you know, this is my full-time job is to try to understand marriage. And I remember coming in and telling Nancy, I said, I don't think most people know this. And I, I think if they did, it, it would make a big difference. And I think some of this is really profound and it's really simple Uh, And there's one area in particular that I personally um, realized how much I struggled with that has been a life changer for our marriage. And so the bottom line of the book uh, that I kept seeing over and over was that when it comes to our marriage, our thoughts matter most. And I don't think thinking is the thing that most of us are thinking about. And when you look at the research on couples that are happy, they just think in a way that unhappy couples don't. And I thought, you know what? I think we jump straight to behaviors instead of backing up to the thoughts that are the origin of those behaviors, right? And so that piece uh, changed our marriage. It changed my life as an individual, which ultimately, as we know, impacts our marriage. Um, So yeah, I kind of decided, hey, let's let's do this. And uh, thank the Lord, there were um, some smart people around me and some editors that could polish the ADHD and put in transitions where I didn't. my wife says sometimes she says sometimes you change lanes without putting on a blinker. So um, oh, that's funny. I had um, just some great people to help smooth smooth the road there, and I've I've never enjoyed teaching something live like I have this content. It's just mm-hmm. it's just hitting people in a different way, um, and I didn't know if that was just me. But it's been really, really fun uh, talking to people afterwards and they're going, oh, I've not I've never thought about it that way. Uh, And then keeping up with some of them and just hearing the changes. It's been so fun. Yeah, I like that, uh, Ted, that simple but profound. I think there's a handful of areas that we can help couples. And this is definitely one of them. So based off of that, a question I have for you. Uh, give one or two comparisons. How do healthy couples think versus unhealthy couples? Like what are those actual thoughts of a healthy couple versus an unhealthy couple? You know, that's a great question. I, um, in the middle of the research, I landed on uh, some neuroscience that I got really fascinated with, but 
I obviously am not a neuroscientist, so I, I was very, very careful. But I actually, the foreword is written by a Christian neuroscientist because I gave it to him and I was like, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not a, a counselor and I'm not a neuroscientist. Are you sure this is okay? I ran it by counselors because I thought, um, is this okay? Because what I tried to do is take, and I can brag on the book because I think what I did is I just took people that are way smarter than me and then said it in a way that people can understand uh, and hopefully enjoy that process. But the neuroscience was one of the most fascinating uh, things for me. Uh, and one of, the, one of the studies that stood out the most was a study done by Dr. Helen Fisher. And it was a study, a, a brain scan study on couples who had been married uh, an average of 21 years or longer. So long-term couples who reported being madly in love. So I was really interested in that. And it turns out that they had similar higher levels of act in three areas of the brain. And one of them was the area of the brain that's responsible for a thing called positive illusions. And it's the ability to uh, focus on what you do love about somebody and not focus on what you don't. Now, when mm. I say that, I know red flags go up everywhere, right? Um, and, and I get that. And this is certainly not somebody turning a blind eye to anything abusive. So take the extreme examples off the table. But when you think of most of us, it is, wow, that would really be a game changer if I could learn how to f focus more on what I love about Nancy and less on what I don't. Um, and so happy couples tended to, to do this. Um, another area of the brain that they found was the area responsible for empathy. And this has been the biggest game changer in our marriage uh, was this hope. They have more empathy for their spouse. And the third area was controlled emotions, which makes sense because when our emotions go off the rails, it almost always leads to um, hurting our marriage and disconnecting us as a couple. So those are some of the things. And there's just so many other just marriage studies that back this up. And when I started diving into all this, I thought, okay, I, I don't ever want to veer off from scripture because I believe God's way for marriage is the way. And what's always been so fun about what I get to do is I never see a conflict with scripture and its science when it comes to marriage. They just illuminate each other. And long before I got geeked out on neuroscience, God has been giving us a way, you know, at what I think based on the way our brains are wired to love, even when it's not easy. Because I say how we love each other may not be easy to live out, but it's typically easy to understand. Um, and what I get from so many couples is it's just so com complex and it's so confusing. No, it's just it's just not easy. A lot of times we know the answers. It's just hard to live those answers out. Right. And so um, that was one of the things I thought, wow, I don't think most couples know this. And if we could back people up to their thoughts that they can test and approve, you know, because I learned through this journey that I believed every word I was saying. I mean, every word I was thinking, <laughs> like I would believe mm -hmm. these thoughts going in my head as if they were truth, as if they were gospel. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Scripture is very clear to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we need mm -hmm. to test and approve. Is this, are these thoughts good? Are they pleasing? Like, it's just good for my marriage. And so it was just, it's just been a fun journey of saying, what if we give people five intentional thoughts for their marriage? Because mm -hmm. uh, one study sh shows that we have between 16,000 and 64,000 thoughts a day. <laughs> You're like, whoa. Wow. So how can wow. we help somebody's thought life? I thought, I just want to interrupt five of them when it comes to their marriage. Uh, and I think what that does, is it postures them to love in a way maybe they haven't thought of before or leads to actions that are connectors. I really like that. So one of the things that I've been noticing over the last couple of years about Jesus 
is that if you read about Jesus in the Gospels, uh, he leads with grace with most people mm. versus truth. Truth mm. is challenging somebody and, and grace is giving kind of full acceptance. Mm. And uh, and that, and again, that is a bit. It's why I liked your book so much, I think. Mm unhealthy couples lead with truth and often maybe not even real truth. Mm. Uh, and when they think about their spouse, they think negatively versus positively. And I think that would be a great uh, exercise for all of us to do is when you're thinking about your spouse, which, which thoughts are positive, which thoughts are negative. Mm. So you have this line in the book, your spouse is not a person to be fixed. They are a person to be loved. Can you share more about that? Absolutely. Again, as I mentioned earlier on, there was one of these thoughts that were the most profound for our marriage. And this, I can speak for Nancy on this one, too. It's a chapter on empathy. Um, and it begins by asking the question, what do you think about your spouse's emotions? Because our spouse can have a range of emotions. And a lot of times we're, we're looking at them, we're thinking, why are you acting like this? And we say things like, you just need to calm down, which... Never in the history of marriage has that been a good idea. You just need to calm down. Uh, and so we see these emotions that we don't understand. Our personalities are very different, right? And so we'll see things. They get excited about something or they get sad about uh, something. Um, and we, my inclination, and I think for a lot of us, is to fix that. When I see an emotion that I'm not comfortable with or I don't like or I see them hurt struggling a certain way or she's sharing a problem. Like, for instance, she shared a problem with me one time when we first got married about a coworker, And about the third time she shared this, I said, I said, hey, you know, I feel like uh, we've talked about this several times. And I know you don't like confrontation, but I think maybe if you could just have a, a really honest conversation with her, you know, it would really you know, benefit you long term, which I thought. That's sound advice. And I think she looks at me and says something like, blah, 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 blah. Like she, <laughs> she didn't like that. And so what I would do is I would make her emotions about me. And I started thinking, mm -hmm. you know what? She doesn't respect my opinion. When in reality, I was just not meeting the emotional need. And finally, she put, uh, she put words around it. She was finally able to say what she was feeling. She goes, I don't need you to fix this. I need you to feel this. Mm -hmm. And I think that is exactly like... I, I, we've learned like over, especially over the last couple of years, just to say things like, Hey babe, I'm sorry. That's understandable. I mean, those two words, instead of trying to fix it, you know, you know, for her to say, Oh, I'm just so frustrated with the kids. Well, that's understandable. Or oh, work is just, it's driving me nuts. Well, that's understandable. I taught this at a, a marriage retreat and a guy that was taking me back to the airport had told me, he says, um, hey, listen, I, he said, I heard you talk about saying uh, that's understandable. And another phrase is I'll use is if I were you, I'd feel the same way. And mm -hmm. he says, my wife, every uh, this time every year, she's over this big conference and she always gets really, really flooded. And I say things like, hey, I don't know. I don't know why you're so stressed out. You always do such a great job. It always turns out so great. And in his mind, he's saying things that are positive and he's saying things that should be encouraging. But she, she wasn't liking that. So he comes in. Sure enough, she's in the middle of the chaos and he goes, you know, how are you doing? She goes, I'm just so frustrated with all this stuff. I'm so overwhelmed. And he goes, if I were you, I'd feel the same way. And mm. said, she turned around, she's in a, like a little roller chair and she spins around to him and she goes, thank you. Cause that's <laughs> all she's wants. And what I've learned with empathy, it's so simple. 
It's so much more simple than trying to fix because when we try to fix, it pushes them away, which creates this distance. And sometimes that distance can linger, right? Like to later that day or that afternoon, even longer, or they stop telling us things that's going on with them and they need to be able to, but they do because they don't want that response. And what I found out and. Again, I speak for Nancy because she has given me permission. So we'll say that. Um, she's a fixer too. We both say if we were relational, Bob the Builder and Wendy. We She wants to fix me as well. And so she started saying to me as well, hey, that's understandable. I'd been traveling solid for a couple of weeks and I was so exhausted. And she knew something was up with me. And she said, hey, how you doing? And I said, to be honest, I'm not only tired, I, I think I'm a little depressed. And she goes, with the pace you've been keeping, she goes, that's understandable. And I was like, oh, there it is right there. Because in other words, you're feeling something and you don't need to fix it. So to come full circle is when we look at our spouses as a problem that we need to fix, uh, then boy, that leads to so much frustration. Instead of a person we love, like what do they need right now? And Jesus was the best of this. He was the best of us. I mean, you know, what's the shortest verse? You know, Jesus wept. You know, he mm-hmm. knew he was about to fix what they were crying about, which Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha and a group of people are just weeping. He knows he's about to fix it. He knows in the most miraculous way, I'm about to fix this. And instead, before he fixes it, before he raises him from the dead, because I think what I would have said is everybody can stop crying right now because I'm (laughs) about to blow your mind. There's not there's no need for one more tear. But instead, he paused. And in that moment, he cried with them. You know, and I love using Romans as the definition of empathy is rejoice with those who rejoice and cry with those who cry. And that's simplicity. And that's the thing. other thing I loved about finding about empathy is empathy is not just about being there with our spouse during the tough stuff. It's about being there with them during the great stuff. In fact, one study says how we celebrate each other is more, is more predictive of a strong relationship than how we fight. So, you know, these moments to just rejoice with our spouse instead of rolling our eyes at what they're happy about because it doesn't make us happy. It making them happy should make us happy, right? And that's rejoicing with those who rejoice. So anyway, that was a really long answer to your question. No, that was a great answer, Ted. I love that parallel to Jesus with Lazarus. And and again, I totally agree with you. I think uh, the concepts that you're talking about are simple. They're not easy to do always. Um, but I think that if couples put these into practice, they could see some pretty dramatic change pretty quickly. Absolutely. It has for us. I mean, it is, it's been so, it's been so rewarding. Uh, I just started a new job. And so there's a lot of onboarding with new email and new, um, you know, communication systems and all the things that I'm not natural at. And I'm showing my wife and we're filling out all the HR forms and all the things. And she says, if this feels overwhelming to you, it's because it is. Mm. And she has a master's of accounting degree. So I'm quite sure it's not overwhelming to her, but just for her to acknowledge that it was overwhelming is all I needed. Because she can't fix that it's overwhelming to me. She can't rewire my brain to think more linear. <laughs> so uh, just those moments, uh, they're moments of connection versus disconnection. And it's just been so, it's so rewarding for us. And um, I hope it has been for other people. Well, to finish this episode up, uh, tell us, so you're coming to Ada to speak. Uh, we're so excited. Once you 
tease out like what are you going to talk about you know what talking about some of this but like yeah, we, what, we are going to talk about this a little bit what, I think what else when we do i'm sorry what else can people expect well my wife is going to come with me and she is she comes out and she basically says hey you guys should know uh I'm not going to be speaking. I'm his hype man is what she calls herself. So mm. she's so much fun on stage. So she really interacts with the audience and gets them having fun and connected. She actually is going to bring a couple, uh, two couples up on stage to win um, valuable cash and prizes. Now, mm. valuable is a relative term, but uh, <laughs> she brings them up and we'll have a lot of fun um, with that. It's, it's a fun date night. And then, I'll be honest with you. I spend a lot of time at, at, on the front end of, of my message and we just have a good time because marriage is funny. Marriage is really funny. It's got constant opportunities to laugh at it. And so I don't want to miss those. And so that when we do date nights at churches, that's we, we want it to be fun. In fact, our goal is when people leave that they can say that was a lot of fun and I, I can actually do what they just said. Not overwhelmed, not discouraged, not beaten up, but that was, I enjoyed the process. That was very fun. And it gave me something that I can do that's actually going to really matter. We say we want to give couples go and do's they can actually go and do in the real world. So uh, that's what people can, can kind of expect. But we've been doing this, uh, this date night at different churches since I think 2016. And it is one of the, most joyful times, uh, parts of our lives. We just really enjoy it. I am so looking forward to it. And I love that, you know, you talking about, Hey, you're not going to get beat up. This is a night of fun and laughter and, and just trying to glean out one or two things that you can take home to, to maybe make a little bit of change in your marriage. That's great. Absolutely. So Ted, thank you so much for hanging out today. And uh, just sharing a little bit about you and Nancy, about your book, and just a little bit of a teaser to the uh, the time you come and spend with us in September. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Kelly, thanks. You guys said you're on your sixth season, going into your seventh season of podcasts. Yep. As yep. somebody that did a podcast for years, I want to just acknowledge and say, I know that that is not easy, always figuring that out and making that happen. So thank you for doing that and constantly investing into couples. That's um, it's really to be admired and appreciated. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you, Ted. Hope you have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Together Friends, we thank you so much for joining us today in my discussion with Ted Lowe. It was an incredible episode. I really appreciated all the things I learned uh, that Ted and I discussed. And so if you feel the same, again, please reach out to us. We really want to know how you've been impacted by the podcast. And there's several ways to reach out and let us know whether it is through commenting or leaving a review with your platform. But that is just so helpful. And finally, uh, don't forget, you can always email us with your thoughts and questions and if you even need some care, and the best way to reach us is at care at adabible.org. And finally, again, I just want to reiterate the marriage event that we're doing with Ted Lowe will be October 6th, Friday night, and uh, we hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. 
If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.